we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, I, I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 25,271 hours into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? There's 336 hours, I believe, in two weeks, if you were wondering. Yeah, healthy and alive. Um, yeah, we're, we're really kicking it to COVID, aren't we? We are. And as a matter of fact, the World Health Organization today just said that, you know what, it's still an emergency. It is still an ongoing emergency. So, no, we can't lift any of those restrictions yet. We've got a long way to go. But today we're not going to talk about COVID, at least uh, not in the uh, not in the sense that we normally do, because I, there's other things going on. So I, I thought we would start with um, we, we would start with what's going on in Ukraine. You know, that that pesky war that they've started over there that, you know, we've got to we, we've got to escalate. You know, we, we have to because of the Russian aggression. You see, I, I thought Zelensky was turning the tide. Isn't that what he said at the Golden Globes when or whatever it was. I think it was the Golden Globes where Sean Penn introduced him and he gave the speech. He said, the tide's turning. The, the tide is turning. We need tanks now. Of course, six months ago, no, you don't have to worry about us sending tanks. You don't have to worry about that at all. Now that they say they're sending tanks, they're just asking for a few more things, just a few more. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, the good news is, is that they're going to get tanks. Bruce, you're happy they're they're getting tanks, yeah? You happy about that? It's it's good news. Yeah, yeah, it's good news because that means yeah. they can turn the tide. You see, now there's a little bit of a problem though in that part of the world this time of year, and usually about now they they have what's called a deep freeze, but it's not really happening. So there's a little bit of a problem, just a small one. You see, tracked vehicles they get. They get kind of bogged down over there because they just don't have, and no disrespect to them, they just don't have the infrastructure to be able to move that stuff. So they wait until the hard freeze so they can just drive across land. Well, in order for you to move one of these tanks or, you know, Russian tank or, you know, NATO tank or, or any of these Western countries, you, you need a solid base underneath of it. And in order for that to happen, you have to have a deep freeze. When I say a deep freeze, the temperature has to drop below freezing for a period of at least 14 days, and it has to stay there 24 hours a day during that entire time. That's just a prerequisite to be able to drive a tank across that type of landscape. Otherwise, they get bogged down like this. Now, mind you, the, the Russian tanks are not as heavy as the NATO country tanks. They're not as heavy. So what does that mean? This is taken from, again, I, I apologize that the listener, you can't see it, but for the benefit of it, Bruce, would you please describe what you are about to see? This is the current state of what's going on in Ukraine. Could you please describe what you're seeing? Uh, 
Uh, that would be your Russian, uh, it looks like, uh, well, they have yellow straps on them, so that would be Ukrainian vehicles, but, These uh, are the ones that they've commandeered, yes, from yeah. the, uh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're having a nice slip and slide in the mud right now. They're not going anywhere. No traction. Lots of mud. Um, and, oh, they, they're barely moving. They, they oh, got, moving. like, maybe yeah, they're, they're a couple, couple inches of an hour, see they're, maybe. they're in secession there. They're pulling each other. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to end up running out of fuel before they even get a half a mile. And those are, as you mentioned there, those are those tanks are lighter. Uh, in fact, they're like half the weight of the American uh, tank. The M1A, I don't know what we're on, A2 now? M1A2, uh, Something like yeah. that, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that would, that would just get bogged down there. It's, it's literally just going to, you're going to drive it into that and it's just going to stay there. You're not moving it and you're not pulling it out of there. Uh, the last major war that we've seen with tanks, uh, when the Germans were trying to push into Russia, well, the, the Nazis, I should be more specific, um, they had the same problem. There are tons of pictures uh, in history of, of panzers and, and tiger tanks even being bogged down in mud. Um, yes. So this is, this is not... Exactly. So this is this is a long, long-standing known um, issue, I guess you could say. Well, see, that's okay. That's okay because we're going to send some of those Abrams tanks. Uh, but according to the Pentagon, well, we have a little bit of a problem. We don't have any despair. Uh, what'd you say? We had about ten thousand, roughly. Isn't isn't that what you said? Roughly, just kind of you know rounding off here. Roughly ten thousand manufactured. Ten thousand yeah. manufactured. Okay, and they're stationed in various places throughout our established presence, but which, quite frankly, shouldn't be outside of the United States or any allied countries. But nonetheless, we can't spare any of those, and so the Pentagon has decided that we're just going to buy new ones. Because that's a great idea. We're going to buy new ones and we're going to send the brand new ones to Ukraine. That's what we're going to do. We're, we're not, well, we're not going to keep. infinite money. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Well, mm-hmm. what's money anyway, right? We can just, your biggest question is, Bruce, how are you going to pay for it? Well, you just do, right? Because the cost of doing nothing is much higher, isn't it? Yeah, right. And the, the, the people that say that are also saying we should print a $1 trillion coin. So, well. The, the the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen she has ruled that out so we're not going to be minting a uh, a one trillion dollar yet they were point, still talking about it too yeah they were still talking about it here recently uh, in Congress I- even still and you know what the loophole was on that one side this is a rabbit hole but the the loophole on that one is it's uh, they're allowed to print commemorative coins so it's 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 going to be a quarter sized or a half dollar size platinum coin that they're going to stamp one trillion dollar worth one trillion dollars on and say this is worth one trillion well there's a problem with that uh commemorative coins they're not worth anything yeah but they were still going to try to do it using that procedure so we're just going to say that it has that and we're going to deposit it in in the fed and it's just magically going to well oh no no we were going to use that to pay off our debts oh i see I see. So mm-hmm. that's that's how that's mm-hmm. going to work. Okay. Well, I yeah. guess that holds the same amount of value as this uh, this monopoly money that we're just throwing around anyway. I mean, they've been legalized yeah. counterfeiters for a hundred years now. So I mean, why not? Why don't we just counterfeit a one trillion dollar coin too while we're at it? It's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, is it's only Congress that is supposed to be allowed to uh, uh, issuance of money is only Congress, uh, but. You know, we've been skirting that since the Fed has existed. Um, but to go back to the Ukraine thing before we get too far from it, 
those tanks that we're sending over there. Well, we have first to buy them all, first. We, we have to buy them first. Yeah. Yeah, we have to buy them first. First of all, the problem that you run into is logistics. As you said, we need the freeze for terrain uh, to be able to travel over it. Anytime you put a tank on the on the field, it is not a defensive weapon. It is not for defense. A tank is not. It's it's an assault weapon. It's to gain ground. It's to push the defense line forward. It is not to hold a defense line. Not in today's age. So by sending these tanks over there, number one, you're going to have to have the entire logistical system set up for fuel and repairs of those tanks, especially our tanks. Our tanks are not like, uh, it, okay, so the Leopard tank, that's probably going to be easier for them to, to maintain because that's a diesel engine. That's just your, your fairly standard diesel engine. So it's going to be fairly uh, easier to maintain. The American version is not a, just your standard fare diesel engine. It is a turbine engine. Um, it takes a lot more maintenance. It, it, it's, I, I just, it, it's not as efficient in the long run. It has more power, but even still, we're going to have to send them, and they, they've talked about this, we're sending over the hardware to maintain them as well, the parts and all of that, as well as the tanks. Then you have to train them. Now, uh, these, these, yeah. um, these I, I don't even want to get into this uh, right now because we got more to go on this, but because this, like, this is not even... Like this has escalated to the point where it's just it's just getting stupid. If it's not already stupid enough, according to Stars and Stripes, which is the official publication of the United States military, has been for a very long time. They say new Abrams tanks will be purchased by the U.S. to supply Ukraine because the Defense Department doesn't have any spares. So uh, they're going to delay that shipment uh, by you know just a little bit longer because I mean, we were supposed to have them there within a month. The Germans are going to have theirs for four months. I mean, it's going to take time to buy new ones and then you know, get them all set up and everything. And like I said, there's a lot more to go along with this. And, and you were talking about logistics as well. So spokesman for the uh, uh, Defense Department, Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh said the following, we just don't have these tanks available in excess in our U.S. stocks. So we're just going to have to, we're going to have to purchase new ones. Uh, she also said that Ukraine will get 31 modified M1A2 Abrams tanks, which is the newest and most sophisticated version of the tank that was first entered into service in the early 1990s, which you talked about last week. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to get too far into this, but that was reported four days ago. Okay. Four days ago. Now, if you go to the New York Times three days ago, this is what they were saying. Check this out. Tanks alone won't turn the tide of the war in Ukraine. They're already setting it up for the next thing. United States will have to step up its training program to ensure the Ukrainian military can use all the Western-provided equipment effectively. Well, guess what they're doing now? Zelensky's out now saying, you know, those tanks, uh, by the way, that they haven't even gotten yet, uh, those aren't going to be enough. So we're going to need uh, F-16s. We're going to need those. Any of those you can send over. And it's worse than that. This morning, this morning I, I saw this. They say, you know what, F-16s, that's still not going to be enough. Now, mind you, they haven't even gotten the first round yet. I don't even think the Patriot missile system, it's going to take 18 months to train them just to use that. How long is it going to take to train them on a tank? R rather, that's a, a Leopard 2 from the German stockpile or rather that's an M1A2 Abrams from the U.S.? How long is it going to take to train them on that? Then they're asking for F-16 fighter uh, fighter jets. Uh, gee, do you need the pilots for those two? Because how long does it take to train a pilot to operate an F-16, let alone the F-35s, the brand new ones? The F-16 pilots right now, right now, the F-16 pilots that we have, 
It takes them one year minimum, one year before they even lay their hands on one of those aircraft. They're in theory and schooling for an entire year before they ever get to sit in the cockpit of one of those jets. And then you have to go through all kinds of training with that, with instructors and uh, and trainers and co-pilots and everything else before you're ever of allowed. Of sims and all that. Yeah, you got to go through simulations and everything. Yeah, yeah. Apart from that, yeah, I was kind of including that in the training. But you're you're going to go through all of that, and that's a minimum of one year before you can even sit in the real thing, before you can even get the real deal. So, F-16s. They're saying this morning, no, F-16s aren't good enough. You think that's bad? Now they're saying, you know, you NATO countries, you uh, you got an awful lot of those uh, nuclear submarines. Uh, we could use one or two of those. You don't need all of those, do you? The Germans, you don't need all those U-boats. The Americans, you don't need all those those uh, Los Angeles class, or those Ohio class, or those Seawolf class submarines. You don't need all those, do you? I mean, just think of what, what Ukraine could do with one of those or two of those in the Black Sea to repel the, uh, the Russian occupation in the Black Sea. Think about that. This is what they're asking for now. I don't even want to think about what the training would be to, to train a crew to operate a nuclear submarine. That's not even in question. That shouldn't even be a, a question. The escalation here is is beyond reproach. This needs to be shut down and it needs to be shut down yesterday. I don't care how it's done, but there's not a single voice in any of these political circles, all sides included here, that are talking peace. If you've got somebody in Russia, in the Russian politique that steps up and says, yeah, we have got to stop this. This has got to stop. They magically fall out of a window. If somebody on our side steps up and says that, they're thrown off of every single public platform you can imagine. They're removed from their office, and they'll never work in that town again wherever they are. Is it not clear enough to people that this is being done on purpose? These people are leading all of us to ruin on purpose. You have that clip from last year of Biden saying if we sent tanks, aircraft, and armored trains, he actually says trains, by the way, that that would be World War III. I have it right here just so happened. We're showing the strength and we'll never falter. But look, the idea, the idea that we're going to send in offensive equipment and have planes and tanks and trains uh, going in with American pilots and American crews, just understand and uh, don't kid yourself, no matter what you all say, that's called World War III. Today, I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine, the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion. Secretary Austin has recommended this step because it will enhance the Ukraine's capacity to defend its territory and achieve its strategic objectives. That would mean World War Three. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's a caveat. He said uh, with American pilots. Um, now, we're not technically sending American pilots. We're sending... Ukrainian troops trained uh, to use those equipment. Uh, so, yeah. Now we haven't sent F 16s, but. Don't forget um, the submarines. Don't forget the nuclear submarines. Oh, yeah, they, they want. want the submarines as well. That is so far fetched. And honestly, with the amount of corruption and everything there, basically you would be handing over the cesium, the, the small reactor, the cesium reactor tech to China. You'd be handing that over to China. Uh, basically, they don't have that yet, and they would be rich. Ukraine would be rich. It's not like the the Bidens have already sold our stealth technology from our U.S. nuclear submarines to them in the first place, have they? 
No, see, that was that was vibration stuff for vehicles. It wasn't. Oh, right. Wasn't, uh, right. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I was mistaken. It's not just Ukraine. It's not just Zelensky that's asking for um, for fighter jets. The Pentagon officials are now saying that, yeah, we need to send them. Zelensky asks the Pentagon and the State Department and the DOD say, yeah, sure. Yeah, we should probably do that. So it's the, World War Three then. I what better way than to satisfy all of the investors, uh, the military industrial complex? And, it, you know, the, the investment houses like BlackRock and Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, those specifically, you heard it. You want to invest? Yeah, you want to invest in a war? Yeah, invest in a war in Ukraine. The contentious discussion on whether to send jets to Ukraine has been ongoing. The Biden administration, which is so far, they've rebuffed all those. The Pentagon saying that, but the, the administration says, you know, we don't have any plans uh, to send send jets to, to Ukraine. The German chancellor said that too. We have no plans whatsoever to send fighter jets, the G German fighter jets. We have no plans to send them to Ukraine. Do you know what that means? I'll tell you what that means. That means they're going to send them. That's what that means. Which German fighter jet, by the way? Because they, they just did, bought a whole bunch of f They just bought the F-35s, yeah, but they haven't taken delivery mm. on them. So I'm assuming that if they're buying, F, if the Germans the are buying F-35s, then the Eurofighters, that is what they were flying, the Typhoons. Mm. So I'm assuming that they're going to be sending the Typhoons. Do you know what? Do you know the Typhoon? That's a fantastic aircraft. That is a fantastic fighter jet, I have to say. The Eurofighter. That, do you understand what happens in that jet? That's more complex than an F-16 will ever be. That thing is designed to be aerodynamically unstable. It's designed that way. It has, I think, 85, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it has like 85 different flight control computers. And if just one of them fails, the whole thing will fall out of the sky. Flying one of those is more complex, is, is a thousand times more complex than flying an F-16. It takes years to train these pilots to do that. These particular fighter jets, these these particular fighter planes, the, the Eurofighter, do you know the pilots, they have to wear specialized pressurized suits that even the American pilots don't have to wear because of the G-forces that they take and all the maneuvers they do in that thing? I mean, our pilots wear them as well, the G-suits. Um, yeah, but these are but, something else. Yeah. I, I've seen I've seen the ones that the that the Europeans wear, and it's it's a little different. But anyway, no, nonetheless, the Deputy National Security Advisor Jonathan Finer claimed that while there's no set decision, the possibility's not off the table. You see, it's, it's not off the table. The top brass they're open to the possibility. They're keen on the idea. We have not ruled in or out any specific systems. That's according to an article out of the Telegraph. Any such donation, you see this dona donation, any such donation of F-16s would further infuriate Vladimir Putin and likely further inflame the badly damaged relationship between Russia and the West. But see, they're not opposed to the idea. And, and the top brass, they're keen on it, you see. Again, those are not defensive weapons. Those are weapons of assault. They're, they're, they're meant to push the, the front line further. It's not meant to be a defensive weapon. They can be used defensively, but they're offensive as well. Same with the the missiles that we sent over there. Those, um, basically, they're um, the <laughs> MLRS systems, the wheeled version of the the long range systems that we have. If I remember right, the range on those is something like two hundred miles. Uh, you can you can attach cluster munitions or uh, you know high explosive munitions. In other words, they could put that at the border of Ukraine and fire into Russia. They could attack Russia. It is not meant for defensive purposes. 
Who are we kidding at this point? All right. Uh, you got anything else on that? We'll uh, we'll move on to the uh, the next subject here if you don't have anything else on that. I, I just want to point out that um, the more you push Russia and the more this goes, I legitimately, I'm, I'm of the opinion that when you have a dictator that's in the corner and you're constantly pushing him and poking and prodding, and if he looks like he's going to lose, he may go nuclear. If, if I can't have it, Nobody can. I think that's the attitude of the uh, the so-called elite that we're dealing with now. If they can't have it, then nobody can, and they don't care if they sink this whole damn ship. Yep. I was asking last week, are these people on a suicide mission? And the answer is yes, they are. Suicide bankers, that's what I call them. Anyhow, moving on to Chicago. Bruce, did you know that the crime statistics in, uh, in Chicago, you know it's up 61%. Did you know that? Would you have guessed that? That's it? Yeah, that's it. 61 crimes up 61%. And do you know what Mayor Lori Lightfoot was out doing over the weekend? She was at a parade and she was dancing. Yeah, check this out. Yeah, she was dancing out of the parade while the crime is up 61%. What's going on in Chicago? The average person, right? I played this privately a couple weeks ago. I didn't play it on a podcast, but this is what's going on. This is a gentleman that's just trying to get home. He's just trying to get home home. He's like two blocks from his house and he's trying to get home. Listen to this. This is Chicago. to Chicago. Sound like footage out of Ukraine. One would think so. I think Ukraine's actually got less gunfire in some places, to be fair. <laughs> it's true. Crime's up 61%, and this woman's dancing a jig out in the middle of the street at a parade. Lady, your city's going down in flames. The first thing that I would be doing is I would be calling a press conference talking about what we're going to do to solve this problem. At the very least, take an initial step on how to address the rise in crime. Oh, but no, crime's down, right? Crime's down. That's okay. They just reclassify what that is. I didn't like what Giuliani did back in the day, like the stop and frisk and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Because, you know, the kind of I'm of the opinion it violates constitutional rights. But Chicago, maybe you should look at that. Maybe maybe you need to, uh, you know, look into uh, upholding your laws. Maybe maybe as a start. They can't because we're in the era of identity politics. So we can't do that. So it goes against everything that they stand for. Yeah. Welcome to Chicago. Anybody want to go to Chicago? Bruce, you want to go to Chicago? Yeah, it's a great place. Nope. Not interested. Actually, even before this, even before this, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I still had no interest in going to Chicago. But I'm also country folk. Not I don't like big cities. I don't even like the big cities we have here. And they're, uh, you know, what, 400,000? 
Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, they're like not that. nearly as big. One Twitter user responded to the video of Lightfoot dancing in the streets saying, since her term began, Chicago has suffered, think about these statistics, 2,278 homicides and over 9,000 people have been shot. Chicago, by the way, for those that don't know, obviously people living in the United States understand this, at least they should. Those living outside of the United States that are listening to us understand the city of Chicago has a total gun ban. Let me go over that statistic one more time. Chicago has suffered 2,278 homicides and over 9,000 people have been shot since this woman took office. Since January 1st, the city has endured 41 homicides and 194 have been shot just in the last 30 days. 41 homicides in 30 days? And she's out dancing in the street. Anyway, over to the, uh, is it Ty- the Tyree Nichols thing? Yes. You saw the video? I, yep, seen the video. Um, That's horrendous. Punched, kicked, hit with a uh, baton. Yeah. Sprayed. It was uh, yeah. sprayed. That's right. You did get pepper sprayed. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was All terrible. because uh, the charges, I believe, were murder and kidnapping. When they pulled him over, uh, a routine traffic stop is usually license, registration, you know, that kind of stuff. No, they didn't even do that. They flung open, his, flung open his door and ripped him out of the vehicle. I don't care what a person is accused of. I don't care what their crime is. Obviously, I, I want justice to befall upon that person. I want them to, to, to answer for the crime that they've committed in a court of law. That's our system. Every single person that I've ever taken into my own custody, as in place them in a restrainive manner in handcuffs, to be interviewed and then turned over to proper authorities. Not one time, not one time did it ever cross my mind to do harm to an individual, let alone something like this. Nobody deserves that. I don't care what the crime is. Can you imagine what would have gone down if the George Floyd thing would have been like this? I can't even fathom. If the circumstances surrounding these officers were different, this would be all over every front page paper across the world, and you would never hear the end of it. They would milk that thing to the end. Those officers, white, black, Hispanic, I don't care, male, female, whatever, those officers should be ashamed of themselves, and they should face the charges that they have been accused of. I say accused because everybody gets their day in court, right? I'm a man of conviction. I believe in the law. But under no circumstances do you disrespect the person that you take into your custody or that you have in your custody. Even if you take them into custody in a manner of respect, you don't disrespect them once they're in your custody. The whole point of training law enforcement officers is so this type of behavior does not happen. Maybe one officer would go too far. Maybe one officer would go too far in some cases. You kind of expect that, you know, tensions are high, adrenaline's rushing. Sometimes people just can't handle that kind of pressure and they snap. They can't keep themselves in control. I could see that, but not five, not five, five officers. And they've just, they've got a sixth one that's involved now that's been dismissed as of this morning. The video of this poor guy, they literally beat him to death. When I watched that, there's no excuse for that. That was absolutely appalling to see that. That was disgusting. And they were kind of laughing about um, how they had to chase him down and all that kind of stuff afterwards. That's not funny. Mm-hmm. That's not funny. I saw the photos of, of the guy laying in, of Nichols laying in the intensive care unit. And and I, as soon as I, this is before he passed. And as soon as I saw that, I said, oh my God, you know, he's, he's probably, you know, he's probably not going to make it. And what was this over? Suspected reckless driving? Suspected re- reckless driving, yeah. Suspected reckless driving. And then 
Th- then to, t- to top all this off, then you've got Van Jones, the card-carrying communist at CNN, writes an op-ed piece saying that this is white supremacy. I'm sorry, I, I understand that we're living in clown world here the last couple of years, but really? And then today, as if that's not enough, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Let me ask you, the Chief C.J. Davis, when in my interview with her, she said that all the officers being black, it takes race off the table. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, I think that I understand what uh, the chief was saying, and I think she uh, really handled this situation in a very professional way. She moved swiftly. She ensured that those officers were removed from the department. She took all the necessary steps. Uh, but I think uh, race is still on the table. Uh, when a culture of policing historically has treated uh, those from different groups differently, uh, even when the individuals are from that same group, that culture can still exist and we have to zero in on it being honest about it and making sure that we properly train police for the realities of the cities that they are policing in here's a guy who is a former new york city cop and he says that i want to know what the hell's going on over there when i worked with law enforcement over there i worked with the nypd i worked with the mta i worked with new jersey cops i worked with male officers female officers white black hispanic middle eastern indian do you know how many times race entered the conversation? None. Ever. Everybody was too busy watching each other's back so we didn't get killed. And when you do deal with a suspect, as I said, it's handled in a businesslike and professional manner, and they're treated with dignity and respect regardless of the crime. When you hear people, regardless of what color they are, driving those wedges and creating those problems where they do not exist, that is a mark of cultural Marxism. And that's precisely what this is. Drive wedges and create problems. That's what these people do. Those officers, based on the video that I saw, and again, they deserve their day in court. Everybody does. But based on what I saw, spending time in state and federal courts, in the judicial system, talking to defense attorneys, talking to prosecuting attorneys, talking to state's attorneys, federal prosecutors, testifying, seeing the reactions of juries, of jurors on juries. I don't see how this is not murder. I don't see how. The video evidence, in my opinion, is clear cut. And in my very slanted, biased view, I could see the kidnapping charge staying as well, um, technically. But, of course, I should caveat that anytime law enforcement arrests you without any kind of warrant or you being in the middle of a, a crime, I think that's kidnapping anyway. But, you know, they don't they don't have the power constitutionally to just arrest you on a whim. That said, that whole how that went down and everything that that went on there, that was abhorrent. And I also, did you catch what Eric Adams was saying there? Which part? Culture is race. Uh, yeah, I, I did hear that. Is race. Culture is race. Yeah, and, and he's making the argument there, the same argument that that uh, Obama made about police departments. Uh, we've got to hone in on that uh, that deep cultural issue, and we've got to uh, we've got to deal with that. We got to zero in on that. This is all about yeah, this I, is another have, case for federalizing police. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, they want to federalize police. I have an issue with them saying cultural uh, the, the culture is race. Uh, obviously, that 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 is not the case. If that's the case, then you guys have been racist towards uh, Christians for a long time. But I, I honestly, I don't know what you do there. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to solve that issue to, to keep that from happening, because frankly, in the past, New York has had problems with law enforcement being a, um, corrupt. I yeah. mean, 
Yeah, it was it was a while ago, but they they it, it was a little all things it, it, all things considered. Yeah, all things considered, they they cleaned all that stuff out, and you know they did. But you're always going to have that was cops. part of the reason. Yeah, but that was part of the reason the the drugs came to the middle class was yeah was because of the cops back in the '60s. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. And what did we have to get those drugs back into the United States from Southeast Asia, Vietnam? Oh, yeah. You don't believe that? Go watch the movie. Uh, what was it that Denzel Washington played in it? American Gangster, based on a true story. Go watch that. For those that don't want to read about it, go ahead. Culture? Okay. No, I, I see your point on culture. Where was the culture? This this is a question I have. Because, again, on that, that video that I saw, training is part of your culture. Going through the police academy, learning how to do these things, how to deal with, with people out in the street. One thing I didn't see, and I know every police department's different and, and everybody gets trained differently, I understand, but I'm I'm pretty sure that it's universal across the board. What I did not see in that video when they were on this, this th there were some cases where they had four or five guys, four or five of them were trying to restrain this, this kid. And I didn't see one attempt. And I watched the whole thing several times over from different angles. I watched the body cam footage and all the rest of it. If I missed it, then apologize, but... I didn't see any attempt that once Nichols was on the ground for them to restrain him while he was on the ground, as in make the extra effort. How many times do you see police officers when they're running down a suspect, they pig pile on top of the suspect to get him in custody? I didn't see any attempt to do that. They were holding him down, trying to get one of his arms behind his back, while another one was clubbing him in the head with a baton. And pepper spraying him. Where's the yeah, attempt before he, for restraint? Before he ran, they had him down on his side. Yeah, that part I saw. one of the officers shoved his taser into his leg. Uh, he didn't have it active at that point, but... But they're both... He did uh, discharge I, the taser when yeah, he ran. Yeah, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw two officers, right? When he was on the ground and they, they got him back up, he's still not restrained. You got two officers... Holding the, you know, the wrist and the shoulders, right? Because that's where you want to hold if you got somebody up and you want to. But there was no attempt, no attempt to put him down on the ground and put him in handcuffs with three officers and two more standing on the side. There was no attempt for that to happen. They just decided to beat him instead. That's off. All for suspected reckless driving. You know, th this kind of response, I don't literally mean this, but I would have been much more lenient on these officers if this response was towards the rioters of 2020, the summer of love. The mostly peaceful rioters, you mean? Yeah, the mostly peaceful protesters during that time period. I would have been much more lenient on those officers because those people were legitimately going out there and hurting people and killing in some cases. Yeah, um, and killing police so officers. I'm, and killing police officers as well. So I'm I'm much more lenient on that of that kind of use of force against those kind of people. However, this dude was, as far as we know, just accused of reckless driving. They don't actually show video of him recklessly driving. Um, there's no actual proof of it. So, but even still, you reckless driver, let's say that's the case, and you're hopped up on drugs. Let's assume he was hopped up on drugs for, for the sake of argument. Do you beat them into submission when they're hopped up on drugs? No. It seems like that's counter productive. No, you don't. If you've got a if you've got a suspect that's that's hopped up on drugs and I have experience with dealing with people and taking them into custody when they've been on drugs and you just don't know. You, you don't know. You you have a suspicion that they're that they're under the influence of a controlled substance, but you don't know. And you won't know until you make the attempt and you've got a guy that's half your size 
and you've got somebody that's with you, that's working with you, that's double your size, and it takes both of you five minutes to get the guy that's half your size in handcuffs because he's so jacked up on a controlled substance. And that's just, that's a light experience. I've seen, and I've never witnessed this in person, but I've seen videos. I've seen training videos. You know, they, they play these things uh, on purpose. I, I watched a video once and it's out there. It's, it's played for like police academies and things like that. I watched a video once of coming up against uh, uh, six officers came up against a suspect that was on, I think it was PCP, you know, angel dust or, or whatever. You know, one of those, you know, horrible drugs. Six officers emptied their guns into this guy and he was still coming. What does your training tell you about that? Nothing that you do in training can prepare you for what you're going to face. It just doesn't work that way. But you have to make do the best you can. It never goes the way that they train you. Never works out that way. Every single way that I was ever trained to deal with a suspect, do you know how many times it went that way? Never. Came close a couple of times, but never. I also suspect uh, the law enforcement officers were following training and firing at the easiest to fire at location versus the law enforcement officer we've seen drinking the coffee, pulls up on a guy that has a gun in the street, gets out, gets his AR, fires once, shots fired, suspect down. 180 yards away. I, I suspect, I suspect that's what the difference was, is he shot him in a kill spot and law enforcement shot him in the in the training video probably in the torso yeah yeah, yeah. i was in torso and legs and arms and things like that so it it was everywhere but lethal you know spots they didn't put was it three bullet center mass or anything like that so it was yeah just about everywhere yeah yeah but uh yeah it's it's um it was that was a terrible terrible thing to see terrible to watch that like i said uh those officers i don't see how they will not be convicted of what they've been charged with i don't see how case is pretty open and shut in my opinion well if they charge chauvin uh, I believe is his name with uh, Floyd murdering Floyd. Oh yeah, and this will be interesting. This will be if interesting. they charged him with that, these guys should at the very least get charged with murder. At the very, very least. least, very least. We do have a couple of other things. I'm not. Uh, it's it's not really that pressing. Uh, the, the California State Highway Patrol used uh, six thousand gallons of water to put out a, uh, an electrical fire from a Tesla over the weekend. I I don't know. I guess and it was still burning after that. It's a good way to protect the environment and go through six thousand gallons of water, especially in California where you've got a water shortage. You don't use water on a on a electrical fire like that. On a you got to cut the oxygen to it. I mean a lithium ion like it's only going to make it worse with a lithium ion battery. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, well, what can you do? Yeah, these, Bruce, they're saving the environment. That's what they're doing. Barring anything else, if you have something else, I'm happy to discuss it. But uh, we can leave a few minutes early if you've got nothing else. Um, I'll just, I'll just, I, I want to poke at the American people real quick. I, I was, I was looking at uh, a Gallup poll. It, I won't go through the percentages all, all the way through, but only 21% think that the government or poor leadership is a problem or one of the most important problems we face. Inflation is the second place one in that, and then immigration. Uh, I do not understand how that number isn't far, far higher. Now, granted, if you were to tally up everything that the government in this poll, if you tallied up everything that was government, technically, inflation, immigration, economy, race relations, poverty, crime, all of that is related to government, right? If you were to tally all those up, the, the number would be higher but only 21%. This is why, in in my humble opinion, 
we're not going to see changes as fast as we hope. And this is also why people keep reelecting the same politicians that bend them over repeatedly every single election cycle. This is why. Is because nobody realizes what time it is. Bruce, are you saying that the American people are comfortable? I, I don't see how they can sit down. I remember somebody telling me about 20 years ago, if the gas price goes any higher, this is 20 years ago, okay? If the gas prices go any higher, the American people will be out burning the streets down. I'm still waiting. I would love to see gas prices from 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting. I, I don't. I don't see the American people out there burning the streets down for, I mean, obviously we don't want to see people burning the streets down, but I, I'm, I'm saying that, well, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, but I, I see what you're saying. But the most I've seen, like the most resistance I've seen out of Americans was during COVID. And that was just a couple of like handfuls of, of like protests and things. That was all I saw. The Europeans, at least to their credit, well, they were putting they were putting millions of people in the streets. Hell, the Germans are still putting millions of people in the streets. I don't see anything out of out of America. It's like we're just we're just kind of sitting there and we're waiting for something to come along and everything is just going to like blow over and it's all going to go back to normal somehow. I, I think that's what everybody's just waiting on because we have that that habit because we've been in that cycle at least through my lifetime where oh they'll just they'll get over it you know they're just the politicians and and the media and everything else. This will all pass. And we just go back to, you know, our baseball and our football. You, you don't understand. Sports are are, are finished. You, you don't you don't get it, do you? Even if sports aren't finished, though, here's the thing. They did their good deed. So now it's time to go complacent again. We overturned Roe v. Wade. Now, uh, that was that was a great victory for us. Yeah. woohoo, Good job. Now I'm just going to sit back and watch Netflix and my sports. And I think that this is the play they're going to make with Biden and company. They're going to flush him. And they're going to put, uh, well, they'll, they'll flush him and Kamala. I'm just guessing here. They're going to put McCarthy in because that'll further sedate the uh, the so-called right wing in America, at least temporarily. And then they'll bring in somebody else. But all of these things, the way that these agendas are playing out, do, do you understand that this is what we're going to have to deal with for the rest of our days? Because this is now the fight. The fight is now out in the open. Before it was behind the scenes. Now it's out in the open. You're going to have to take part in this. It has to happen. If you don't, then unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but just being somebody that understands the most basic forms of our history, you're not going to make it. And when I say you're not going to make it, I don't mean that in the in the physical sense. No, well, I guess not just the physical sense. I mean that in the spiritual sense, too. You're not going to make it. Culturally, you're not going to make it. Bruce, you're smiling. I had a uh, someone I know. Uh, we got in a discussion about this and their argument was, I'm just one person. What am I going to do against big corporations and the government? That was their argument. Um, so they would rather do nothing and have a relatively comfortable life than to stand because they just don't know what to do. Who the hell are we? Who, who are we? We're just two guys. That's literally all we are. We're not we're not funded by we're not funded by corporate dollars here. I know. I know. But their argument uh, is um, I, this oh. doesn't even really do anything either. That's their argument. I couldn't cope with myself if I didn't feel like I was doing something. I, I just couldn't. It like it doesn't even doesn't even resonate with me to just say, you know what? Screw it. I'm just boy, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to watch football. I, I just I can't do it. We'll talk about it later in this week. But what these people have planned, do you understand you're not being consulted? There's not going to be any comfy lifestyle. You don't get it. You've got a comfy lifestyle today, but that doesn't mean it's here tomorrow. And when I say tomorrow, I don't mean literally tomorrow. 
I'm not thinking in terms of tomorrow. I'm thinking in terms of 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Where are we then? If you're looking at 2003, 20 years ago, would you have even uttered a thought about where we are now? With where we are now, with all of the craziness, would you have even thought that you would see even a tenth of the insanity that we're seeing now? The answer is no, myself included. I've stepped out of the the mindset of thinking about what it's going to be like next month, six months, a year from now. With the, the way that things are moving, as fast as things are moving, I'm thinking about where are we in 10 years? I'm thinking in decades, 20 years. Where, where are we then at the rate of acceleration now? I mean, if we're, <laughs> hell, what, like we're two steps away right now. We're two steps away from the Hunger Games and Punch Bowls. That's like we're here now. Where do you think it's going to be in 2042? So no, I'm not comfortable sitting on the sidelines. I want to be in the game. It's fourth quarter. Put me in, coach, to use a football analogy. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. You know, you want to sit on the sidelines, you go ahead. That's your problem. I want to be in the game. I want to feel alive. I want to feel like I'm actually doing something against this because I could not live with myself otherwise. Why is that, Mr. House Theologian? Because when my day comes, rather that's 40 years from now or 300 years from now, depending on how this goes, when my day comes and I'm standing before the Almighty and he asks me, what did you do? What am I going to tell him? Comes down to you want to hear good and well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. You'll be given much. That's kind of the response. That's the response we're looking for. Yeah. Um, you 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 asked. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. This is a bit ornery. In 2003, was I predicting this kind of stuff would happen? Now, yeah. But that's because yeah, I, <laughs> I believe in time stuff. You know, as of the days of Noah, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. And it's it's a surprise to see how quickly things have degraded. You know, to that to that point, I want to ask you a question, theologically speaking here. People, they give you the response like they did. You know, what can I do? I'm just I'm just one person. I happen to think that you can do a lot if you're one person. And correct me if I'm wrong, or, or if you think, you, you know, you see it in a different way or something, but Christians are, to say that, that they're being persecuted is an understatement, I think. We're looking at 200 attacks on the Catholic Church, or I think it's even 300 attacks on the Catholic Church alone just in the 400, last... Um, 400 if you can include all churches, but Catholic okay. churches are like 300, I think, Yeah, since Roe v. Wade was overturned. But it says in scripture, and I, I can't, I, it's, it's been a long time, but it says in scripture that during times of, I mean, you, you will be persecuted, you will face persecution, but when you're brought before your accusers, you will be given mouth and wisdom. Is that correct? Yeah, basically. I mean, uh, to, the example you could use is when Jesus was brought before uh, Pontius Pilate. Yeah. Um, he just spoke wisdom and truth. And it's similarly to what Jesus, how Jesus walked, we're supposed to walk the same way and we're given the same graces. We'll have the words to speak. That's my point. Is that right there? You'll have the words to speak. And, and I, I do believe it says that when you speak these words, your adversaries will not be able to say say anything or fight against you. Doesn't mean they still won't crucify you upside oh, down. Of course. But yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, they, they won't be able to retaliate against that. You, you you come at these people with the absolute truth as best as you can, as best as you can extrapolate it on your own. Be true to yourself when you speak to people. And I, I don't I, I don't see how that doesn't resonate with people is my point. You know, people, they, they just 
they think, well, I'm just going to go back to my, you know, whatever. I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm going to do this. If you don't do this, in my opinion, you're given the ability to do this. Everybody innately has this, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't consider myself to be anybody uh, of any consequence. I, I don't see what we do here is of any consequence. I, I do it because I feel like it's the right thing to do. I know for the sake uh, of the individuals I was referencing, they feel they're pretty beaten down. Uh, life has beaten them down pretty hard and they, they, they feel a bit helpless, um, yeah, unable that. to really affect change. Yeah. yeah and I, I can see it, in that, in that hopelessness and despair, they're, they're, they're not able to see a way forward out of that. And that's kind of why we were saying, you know, start with yourself, start improving yourself and then work on your local level, you know, get involved in school politics or, 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 you know, school board or what have you, county commissioner or whatever, or hell, just, just get involved in, in going to those meetings. You, you got to start somewhere. But um, yeah, it, it, I know in their case, they're <laughs> they're pretty beaten down. And honestly, if you're a Republican in general, I can understand why you feel beaten down. You get bent over every time. Every, every time you elect somebody, they bend you over. So I understand. They certainly do, don't they? Yeah. And they're not nice about it either. No, they hate you. They resent you just as much as the Democrats do, if not more. Uh, so much for kicking out of here a few minutes early, uh, but we really are going to go this time. Bruce, I want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a fantastic evening.